Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. That, um, what David was talking about, that, there's a place in him where especially when you, as you get to know him and you get to know his heart for you, and you start to realize, like, you can actually be in a place of being thankful for conviction when it comes. Because it means that he sees more for you than what you're giving yourself to. It's, 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 he's able to, to bring conviction only because he knows exactly who he created you to be and what your life looks like with his life inside of you and what you're capable of and, and who he's called you to be. And the truth is, is no matter what you've done, he's never changed his mind. He is just as convinced of who you are on your best day as he is on your worst day. Like David was talking about, he said, if I went to the highest mountain, there you'd be. If I went and made my bed in the lowest of places, you'd be there. Where could I go? And he's saying, like, it doesn't matter if I'm in the high moment of my life where I feel like I am the most Christ-like I've ever been. You're there with me. And when I'm in the worst moment where I'm like, am I even saved? You know, like you're having that moment where it's like, you're just feeling like I just blew it. I missed it or whatever it is. And he's there. And his opinion of you is the same. And, and, and that's why he can speak to us conviction because he sees who we can and who we are in him. And so he can point out. And when conviction comes, it's simply saying, hey, that's not you. You're called to have more than that. My son didn't give his life for you to live that way. That's not who you are. That's not what I created you for. You're giving yourself to something less than my best for you. Hey, don't sow that seed. You're not going to like that fruit. Hey, don't go there. You're not going to like the way that that, that feels. You're not going to like what that leads to. Don't do this because not because he's up in heaven trying to kill your fun. He's in heaven wanting his best for your life. And he's saying, listen, I know who you are. So when you act apart from that, it's easy for me to see it. And it's easy for my spirit to bring conviction. And conviction is simply pointing out where we're giving ourselves to things that are less than his best for our lives. And the more we walk with him, the more fine-tuned that conviction becomes. Like when we first start walking with him, it's super easy. It's like, hey, quit doing drugs. Hey, don't, don't, don't lie and steal from people. Don't manipulate. Don't use. But then it becomes like even more fine-tuned as we walk with him. And it's like, hey, maybe that's not sin, but that's not my best. Hey, like that's not a sin, but it's not making you more like Jesus in the moment. Why do you keep choosing that? Maybe give a little less of your time to that because I have something better for you. And it's this thing where it's, it's not him pointing out what a horrible person you are. It's actually him saying, I know you're more than that. And because you're more than that, I can't let you be okay there. I want to make you uncomfortable in that place to move you out of that place and into what I have for you. I don't want you to get comfortable in the pigsty when there's a seat at the table for you. And it would actually be like sometimes I think we're, we're, we, we confuse conviction and condemnation because there was so much condemnation for so long that was preached as we were preached, you know, you're nothing but a filthy worm and, you know, the, the mentality of just what a wretched sinner you are and all that stuff was preached. And, 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 and in reaction to that, we went from, from feeling, you know, just completely condemned to the fact that we, we hardly even can feel conviction anymore because if what the Lord is saying doesn't feel good in the moment, it has to be the enemy because the Lord only wants me to feel good. He's not so concerned with your feelings as he is with who you are. He doesn't mind if you don't feel good. Actually, he wants you to not feel good living less than he has for you so that when you turn from it and actually turn to him, then the feelings line up with truth. If he made you feel good there, you might stay there. He doesn't want you to be comfortable there. 
Why would he want you to be comfortable somewhere that his son died for you to be free from? We're over here saying, get behind me, Satan. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, but I'm not Satan. I love you. That's less than his best for you. That's not who you are anymore. That's no longer you. All that passed away and everything became new when you became a new creation in Christ. And you're trying to return back to former things. That's what Paul was preaching to the church in Galatia. He says, now you received it this way. Are you going to go back and start living that way? Like he says, you guys are now looking to honor special days and seasons. Why? Because they're trying to add things to their faith as if it makes them more spiritual. He says, listen, you're going back to lesser things once you've received greater things. Leave that and never go back. When you left Egypt, he had no plan. You realize that the, the Red Sea closing and swallowing up the Egyptians was just about as much as making Egypt not an option anymore as it was cutting them off from the ability of the Egyptians to get to them. Like, it served two purposes. One, it cut the enemy off, but two, it cut them off from returning to the place he never wanted them to be. And that's what that life in Christ is. Yes, it cuts off the voice of the enemy, but it also keeps you from ever being able to go back there and live the way that you lived before. That's what conviction is. Conviction is you trying to go back to former things and the Spirit of God coming and saying, that's not who you are. Don't give yourself to that. You're better than that. You're more than that. Why are you settling for lesser things when I've called you to greater things? Why are you trying to go back to Egypt when I've brought you out of that place and want to bring you into a promised land? Why do you want to give yourself to that? Don't, don't get behind me, Satan, to conviction. Don't trust your feelings. Well, it can't be the Lord because it doesn't feel good. Come on, you start living that way. That's living sensually. That's what the Bible talks about. James actually calls living according to sensual wisdom demonic. Demonic. There is wisdom that comes from above, and then there is earthly wisdom. And one of the ways that describes earthly wisdom is sensual. In other words, we take that to mean like sexual. It's not just sexual. It's actually meaning living by the senses. That means my feelings become God rather than God being God and my feelings being subject to him. He's subject now to my feelings. And so if it doesn't feel good, it must not be God because obviously God wants me to feel good. He's way less concerned about your feelings than he is you. Way less concerned about your feelings. He's way more concerned with you and you knowing truth and that truth getting inside of you and reproducing inside of you. And then you start following Jesus and you repent, you turn from what was, you turn to what is, and transformation of life becomes the fruit of Jesus in your life, not a good feeling. You'll have plenty of good feelings following Jesus, but when a bad one comes, don't automatically assume that can't be him. Because sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. He doesn't want you getting comfortable in the pigsty. He wants you to leave the pigsty, hate the pigsty. And remember, wasn't it so much better? Don't even the least in the kingdom of God live better than this. That's what the servant was saying. That's what the son was saying. He says, don't even my father's servants. We say, don't even the least in that kingdom live better than I'm living right now. It'd be better for me to be there as the least than here. Why? This isn't what you were made for. You weren't made for that. He didn't die and set you free so that you could submit yourself back to the things he gave his life for. And I promise you, he has no interest in making you comfortable there. If we ever get to a place where we can't hear conviction because it contradicts our view of God as we've determined God to be, something's desperately and drastically wrong drastically wrong. We, we, we tend to do that in, in everything, right? We just go ditch to ditch. 
You know, it's like you, 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 you're, you just you go from like eating whatever you want to like, I'm just going to eat, just drink water for the next three days and I'm going to fast and I'm going to do this and I'm only going to eat boiled chicken and broccoli. And it's like, come on, man, that's not sustainable forever. Like, don't go from one ditch to the other ditch. Find the middle, right? You don't go from like everything in life is condemnation to nothing in life can be conviction, because there was abuse there, you don't go to the other side of the ditch when Jesus is in the middle saying, hey, you know, some of those times you don't feel good, it's because the enemy's trying to condemn you. But hey, some of those times you don't feel good, it's because my spirit wants to convict you. And that's why it's up to you to be able to take what you're, what you're hearing and what you're feeling to the word of God and let the word of God be the authority that speaks to who is this speaking in my life in this moment. And that's how you begin to learn the voice of Jesus because you find what he already revealed about himself and then you know when he's speaking to you because it lines up with what he's already said. And that's what it is to know his voice. You start going, okay, so this is what it feels like when he speaks. This is what it feels like when he talks. This is what his voice in my life sounds like. And you begin to cultivate that relationship, and it becomes real easy to hear his voice and know his voice and not follow the voice of the stranger. You notice he never said you wouldn't hear the voice of the stranger. He said you just wouldn't follow it. There's a lot of voices speaking. There's a lot of voices that are vying for your attention. There's one voice that leads you into his truth. There's one voice that makes you look more like Jesus. There's one voice that's the Father's heart to you and over you. And if you don't know that, you'll be grabbing on to whatever feels good in a moment or whatever makes the most sense in the moment. And many times the voice of the Lord makes the least sense in the moment because what he's calling us to is so contrary to what human nature is saying. And it's only when we step into obedience that we actually begin to see the fruit of it. And then it makes sense. Not because it did in the moment, but because it does when we see, oh, that was you, Father. Now I see the fruit. Now I see your goodness. So, um, I wanted to talk about that today a little bit um, because I, I, I was having a conversation with a, with a young man and he's, he's starting to understand this idea that maybe God wants to speak to him. And so we were just talking through some of that stuff, and I realized I've heard this statement before made many times of, well, if God wants to speak to me, he will. If God has something to say to me, he'll say it. And, and there certainly are moments where God, like, speaks something. Like, when he knocks Saul off of his horse and blinds him and, and is standing there, and, and Saul's like, who are you, Lord? It's me you're persecuting, Saul. And you know what's crazy about that is Saul knew the word better than any person alive on earth at that moment and didn't know the Lord. Don't make an idol out of the word so much so that it keeps you from knowing him. The word is to lead you into knowing him, and he leads you into knowing him through his word. It's both. We, we make this divide of like, we're, we're making this divide between spirit and word. It's like every word is inspired by the spirit, and the word is to lead us to him, and God is spirit. So there's not really a divide there. We've made one in our mind because it makes us feel better about the one that we feel more drawn to. The truth of the matter is they're both to lead us to each other and to make us more like him. And so, so we, I was just talking about that, and I, I was thinking about how there are actually times where God wants to speak, but there's something on our end that actually uh, um, is required before he speaks. I was thinking about Samuel and how God wanted to speak to Samuel. He actually was calling Samuel to be a prophet. He wanted to put his word in Samuel's mouth. And yet, as a young boy, he didn't know the voice of the Lord. He hadn't, the voice of the Lord hadn't come to him yet. And so God speaks to him, and he says, Samuel. And Samuel, because he doesn't have a grid for anybody speaking but a human being, runs to a human being. 
If we don't have a grid for the Lord speaking, then we'll never actually press in and go to him when we hear someone speaking. We'll try to find it through a person because that's all we have a grid for. And so Samuel has no grid for the Lord speaking directly to him. So he goes to the one man who's there and figures, well, if there's someone speaking, there's only one person here. It must be him. And so he goes to Eli and he says, Eli, uh, did you call me? He says, I, I didn't call you. And now Samuel's going back and probably thinking, am I crazy? Because if you don't have a grid for it, that doesn't stop him from speaking. But if you don't understand that he's speaking, you could start to feel crazy. Like, how many people have ever felt kind of crazy about the fact that the Lord, through the Spirit of God in them, or through a voice, or however it looks, speaks to them? Like, you're kind of like, I mean, it would disqualify me from being on a jury. No, because I'm serious. I would have to tell them, like, hey, just so you know, I will listen to everything that's said, but I will make my decision, not by what I see with my eyes or hear with my ears, but I'll hear a voice that says, this is the way, walk you in it, and I'm going to go with that because I trust that more than I trust myself. Maybe that's like a get-out-of-jury-free card. <laughs> that's worth the price of tithing right there. But he, he probably is going, I swore I heard a voice. See, he lays down to go to bed again. Samuel, Samuel. There it is. I do what I have a grid for. I go to a person. I didn't call you. And you know what's crazy to me is what's crazy to me is that it's not a natural response of a leader who knows the voice of the Lord to send people back to the Lord themselves. Like, the first time I could see, like, you know, maybe he just heard something creaking and thought it was me. But the second time, he's like, you called me. If I know that the Lord desires to speak to his people and I believe that Samuel is a child of God, like, wouldn't my first response be to send him back to the source? rather than keep him coming back to me. But he doesn't. It takes three times. The third time, Samuel comes and Eli says, oh, must be the Lord. Next time you hear him speak, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. And so Samuel goes back and he hears that voice and says, speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. And then, how many of you know God knew what he wanted to say to Samuel the first three times he called his name? How many of you guys realize he's not in heaven in the dark saying something from behind a wall and unsure of what happens when that word lands and waiting and going, I wonder what he's going to do with it. How many of you know he watched Samuel get up and walk to Eli's room three times? You know how easy it would have been? He's already speaking, and Samuel's already hearing. How easy it would have been for it when he saw him getting up, maybe after the first time, maybe after the second time, to just say, no, Samuel, it's me, the Lord. And Samuel would have been like, oh, it's the Lord. But he doesn't. And I think it's because he's wanting to teach Samuel a few lessons that I think we would do well to learn ourselves. And the first thing is, he wasn't just wanting to speak to Samuel. If he was, he would have just spoke to Samuel. He was wanting Samuel to learn what it sounds like and what it feels like to have God speak to him. Because how many of you guys know that like, it sounds different for the Lord to speak to you than it does for him to speak to me? 
Like he can say things to me because of the history I have with him and because of things I've experienced in my life that would make zero sense to you. So he speaks to you in a way that you can understand. And it sounds different than the way he speaks to me. Now his nature and his character never changes. But he may say something to me based on things that I've been through or things I've walked through or things that he's spoken to me in the past. And to me, it makes perfect sense and I know exactly what he's saying. And if you heard it, you might be like, I don't, what does that mean? You know, if he says, like, well, it's just like changing out the container on a tree. I know exactly what he's talking about. You might have no idea. But he might speak to you in a way that you understand, and I would have no idea what he was saying. It, it's a personal thing. He, he speaks intimately to us, and he, and he knows us. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows the way that he can speak to us that we'll understand. And so he's wanting Samuel not just to hear his voice, but also to start to develop in the quiet places when there's nothing else going on and no one else is speaking and he doesn't have anything on his mind. He wants, when he's alone and the only thing he's thinking about is getting into bed, he wants Samuel to start to understand, this is what it sounds like when I call your name. So that later in life, when you're walking through a storm and there's a thousand voices shouting and you're faced with what you're seeing and there's all kinds of turmoil and things going on around you, he can speak his, your name and in the middle of all that chaos, in the middle of all that trouble, in all the concern, in people screaming, in different voices and opinions, you can tune into the one voice that matters in that moment because when no one else was speaking, you learned what it sounded like for him to speak your name. And now when you're in the middle of chaos and there's a thousand voices and you hear Roy, it doesn't matter what's going on. You stop and you know he's speaking. And you position yourself to hear what he has to say. And I think that was the other thing he was trying to teach Samuel was, Samuel, I have a lot of stuff to say to you, but I'm not going to waste my words I need to know that you're giving me your attention and that you'll give my words the weight that they deserve. Because the voice of the Lord is different than the advice of a friend. Now, the voice of the Lord can come through a friend. But if you know what it sounds like to hear him speak, you'll understand when he's speaking through someone else and it'll have the same weight in your life. Like, you'll know. There's times where I'm having a conversation with a friend and all of a sudden something just lands in my heart the same way it does when I'm alone with the Lord and something lands in my heart. And I'm like, that was the Lord. And very rarely, and I don't know if ever, has it started with, thus saith the Lord. I don't, I don't know that I've had a friend come to me and say, thus saith the Lord, and then give a prophetic word that way. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying I don't know that's ever happened with me. Usually it's like, well, I don't know. I was praying about it, and I just felt like, and all of a sudden I hear the Lord speaking through them. And but, but because I've learned to recognize what it feels like and what it sounds like and what he's like and the way he speaks to me, when that voice comes through somebody else, it carries the same weight. I don't just take it as a friend's advice and say, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a cool way of thinking of it. I never thought of that. And then just put it on the shelf with everything else. I actually put a value and a weight on it because I understand that was the Lord speaking. When I'm reading through the word, and, and it's all the Lord, but all of a sudden you read this verse and you know this is the word of the Lord for now. This is what he is saying to me right now. Not that everything else isn't the word of the Lord. It's all spirit breathed. But how many of you know there's times where it's like that word quickens and revelation comes and you realize this is what I need for right now. And all of a sudden there's that weight that it carries. And I, I, and I feel like until people actually get to the place where they give God's word the weight and the, and the importance and the place of prominence in their life that it deserves, God will probably hold 
hold back on speaking because he doesn't want you to be accountable for things that you have no value for. Because with the weight of the word comes the responsibility of the word. Because now that you know that he spoke, there's something that's required. So Moses is walking in the desert and he sees a burning bush. But the Lord doesn't say anything until he actually sees it for more than just a cool happening. More than just something to tell friends about an encounter he had. Listen, we're not pursuing encounter for the sake of encounter. We're pursuing encounter for the sake of knowing him. It's meant to lead us into knowing him. It's meant to draw us into relationship with him deeper. Not just so you have a cool story to tell, but so that you know the one who actually caused the encounter to happen deeper than you did before the encounter. That's what it's for. Like, you're, like you don't, don't sit around in your room praying for God to translate you. Go preach the word like he called you to, and if you need to be translated, you'll be translated. Why? Those things didn't happen because the disciples were in the room going, wouldn't it be cool if God translated us? Translate. No, it happened because they heard him say, go preach the gospel, and they saw someone who needed the gospel preached to them, and so Philip says, there's a man who needs the gospel preached to him. I'll go and do what God's called me to do, and if in the process of me doing what he's called me to, there's something that he wants to do because it's necessary, he'll do it, and it might be really, really weird, but it's not weird for the sake of being weird. It's weird for the sake of, I need this, I'm going to do this for you because this is what's required for you to carry out the call I've placed on your life. You're not just seeking it to seek it. We're seeking him and responding to his voice. And in the process of following his voice, weird stuff will probably happen. It happened all throughout the Bible. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not like God repented of being weird when the Bible got printed. But it's never weird for the sake of weird. It was always unto something. And it was generally when people were actually doing the thing he called them to. So Moses gets called to tend the sheep of his brother-in-law or father-in-law. And so he's out in the desert doing what a shepherd does. And he sees the bush, but it, when he decides, let me go and inquire and see what this is about. He gives the, his attention to what God is doing. That's the first time that God speaks to him. And the first thing he says is not, let me tell you the plan for your life. It's take off your shoes. It's do the most unnatural thing in this moment. It's, you're out in the desert, you would never take your sandals off. In fact, it was a process to untie their sandals and take them off. That's why John the Baptist said, whose sandal I'm un unfit to untie. It was like something that someone else doing for you was a, was a blessing because it was work to get them untied. And, you know, they had a lot to it. You had to keep them on your feet. You need, that was the way you stayed alive and, and protected your feet. But, but yet the Lord says, I want to see if when I speak, Moses actually will respond even when it doesn't make sense before I give him any more. Because I don't want to entrust more to him, to his judgment and, and, and responsibility until I see that he's faithful to do the small thing that doesn't make any sense. Some people are asking God for these great words and they haven't been faithful to do the little thing that doesn't make sense to them that they've written off because why would the Lord ask me to do that? I don't know. But he did. Why didn't he just make the coin appear when Peter needed money to pay taxes? Because he wasn't about performing tricks. He was about rewarding obedience. Like, if he can make a coin appear in a fish's mouth, he probably could make a coin appear on the ground. Right. Say, pick up your foot, Peter. Oh, look at that. You're standing on what you need. He could have done it. Why did he ask him? Go down to the shore. Throw a line into the water. And when you pull up a fish, look in its mouth, and there will be a coin. Because he's saying, well, you do the thing that doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense, trusting that if I asked you to do it, it's unto something. 
This is always what he does. And so Moses comes walking up and, and he's looking and, and the voice of the Lord comes from the bush and says, Moses, the ground you're standing on is holy. Take your shoes off. And then there's not one more word said until Moses agrees with the Lord, submits to the word, and does what's asked of him. And then the Lord begins to speak. And then the Lord says, I'm sending you to bring my people out of captivity. How many of you understand Moses could have stood in front of that bush until the day he died? He would never have heard another word had he not been obedient to the first insignificant, doesn't make sense thing that was asked of him. He could still be standing there if death didn't take him. Like, they lived for hundreds of years back then. Moses could have stood there for hundreds of years going, Lord, I know you called me to this bush for a purpose. And I know this isn't just for nothing. I mean, it's been 24 years now and the bush hasn't been consumed yet. You know, like, I'm, I left. I got something to eat. I got a drink. I came back. And here it is. It's obviously here for a reason. And the Lord's not going to say anything else other than take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on is holy. Lord, I know you've called me. I remember the call of my life back in the day when I was in Egypt and you told me I was going to deliver the people and I saw one of my brothers being persecuted by an Egyptian and so I figured this is the time, this is the moment. The Lord has led me to this place. I slayed the Egyptian and all they did was make fun of me and ridicule me and I had to run for my life and now I'm out here and so I know this is a sign from you, God. Just speak, Lord. Tell me what you want me to do and I'll go do it. If it's my time to lead them out of captivity, I'll do it. The Lord's going to take your shoes off. God, I know you have a huge calling on my life. People have prophesied over my life. People have laid hands on me and said this and said that. And God, I'm ready for it. Would you just launch me into this thing? Would you take your shoes off? Why don't you do the little thing that doesn't make sense? Because if I can't trust you to be faithful in the little, what makes me think that you'll be faithful with the much? Because if I can't trust that you'll do something seemingly simple that doesn't make sense, why on earth would I ask you to do something complex that's beyond your ability to believe that you can? If you won't do the thing that you are capable of, what makes me think that you'll trust me to do the thing you know you're not capable of? Yeah, you, someone needs to hear that. If you won't do the little thing that you're capable of that he's asking of you, what on earth makes him think that you will do the big thing that you're incapable of on your own? I can prove it because nothing gets said until Moses takes his shoes off. And that simple act of obedience to the word of the Lord is the thing that actually gives the Lord the ability to continue to speak and talk to him about the great things he's calling him into. There's probably some people in here who are in one of those places where you, you're standing where you're supposed to be standing. You're, you're in the place you're supposed to be in. You're hearing the thing you're supposed to hear but yet you're not doing the little thing. And probably because it's such a little thing and you're standing in front of this great thing saying, just speak, Lord, and I'll go. Just tell me what to do. And the Lord has nothing more he can say because he wants to see that you'll actually value his word the way he values his word. And it says he's elevated his word even above his own name. We probably should elevate it above ours. His word should probably be greater than my desire, than my feeling, than my want, than my makes sense or doesn't make sense. 
than my, oh yeah, that's such a little thing, but God, where's the, let's get to the big stuff. What if the little thing is the big thing? Because the little thing is what is, unlocks him being able to talk to you about the big thing. So in the grand scheme of things, maybe there are no little things. Maybe to God, there's the same weight on take off your shoes as tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Because both of them are response in obedience to his voice. And that's all he really wants are people that know him, love him, and trust him so that when he speaks, they'll be obedient. Like you, you can sit there and listen to the Lord speak over and over and over again and harden your heart and know what he's saying and then rationalize in your mind why you're not doing the thing he's called you to do. And, and you know what? In his goodness, he still loves you. He still cares for you. He still watches over his word, faithful to perform it. It's you that's missing out. Because on the other side of that simple step of obedience, there's more than you could ever imagine. But it's on the other side of that simple step. And you can't bypass it. Because to allow you to do so would be him violating his own word. And he said, if you'd be faithful with a little, you'd be made ruler over much. If you won't be faithful with a little, for him to violate that principle and still make you ruler over much, it'd be a violation of his word and everything falls apart because the universe is held together by his word. And that God, who cannot lie, for he's not a man, elevates his own word. So Samuel is learning valuable lessons. And the first one is, is what does his voice sound like to me? And here's the thing, like, it sounded like a man. It sounded like a father. It sounded like someone speaking. So much so that he assumed, if I hear a voice, it must be Eli. And Samuel's also learning this valuable lesson of, Samuel, I have things I want to tell you, but I don't want to waste them. I need your attention so that I know you're listening, but not only that you're listening, that you're hearing and that you're hearing well. Remember Jesus? Be careful how you hear. He's saying, listen, don't, don't just listen to things. Hear them and attach the weight and the significance to them that they deserve because you're hearing it as the Lord speaking. Not a man, not Eli. Remember Jesus talking to the disciples. He said, I have so much more I want to tell you. But right now you couldn't bear it. When he comes, spirit of truth, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And what's funny about this is like how just practical the Lord is with things. So I was, I go in my sauna and that's where I meet with the Lord all the time. And, and there's nothing magical about my sauna. It's sauna, not sauna. We're finished. We made the word. We'll tell you how to say it. You can say it wrong if you want. <laughs> We're not going to change for you. It's sauna. And so I'm in my sauna. <laughs> We're sauna for you non-finished people, non-Scandinavians. And I'm in there, and, and, and I, but, but there's this expectation that when I go there, I'm going to meet with the Lord and I'm going to hear from him. 
And, and, and there's nothing magic about the sauna except for this fact that, that like there's an expectation that I have that when I go there, I'm going to meet with the Lord and he's going to speak with me. And it places a draw because he rewards faith. And so I go there in faith with expectation. Like start setting up times and places that you go to out of expectation and faith that you're going to hear him speak. And then watch him respond to that faith and that hunger and that expectation. And then you start to build this history that says, when I go here expectant, he speaks. And now because you have a faith and a history that says that and you have an expectation, he honors that. But there's nothing special about the place that what's special about is the belief and the faith that you have when you step into that place. If you could come to my sauna and you actually you might receive something because you know why you've heard me talk about it. You might put an expectation that if I go in there, I'm going to hear his voice. But it's not because there's anything magical about the place. It's because God responds to faith in a hungry heart and expectation. It puts a draw on him. Start developing those times and places in your own life. You say, God, I'm coming to meet you. I'm coming for you. I know I'm going to hear you speak because you told me if I was hungry, I'd be filled. You said if I knocked, it would be open. You said if I asked, it would be given. God, you said that you would give revelation to those who are hungry. And God, I'm coming hungry. And I'm believing you're going to meet me there. And we're going to watch him show up and watch your faith start to arise. Start developing those places. But I'm laying in my sauna, and I take my phone in the sauna with me, which is probably why I always have problems with my phone. But I lay it on the floor. It's cold down there, you know, and I wrap it in a towel so it doesn't get moisture on it. And, and I do. I, and I, and I, I lay on the top bench. It's like 190 degrees in there, you know, and I just go in there and I'm just sweaty and I'm just hearing from the Lord and I'm chewing over this stuff. And he said something to me and it was the basis of this message. And so I climb down off the bench. I unwrap my phone. I slide it to open it, but I'm sweaty. So I'm like having to wipe my thumb and then do that, you know, and it's a process. And so I get it open. I open up voice memos and I, and I, and I say something into my phone and I, write, I speak for about two and a half minutes, and I wrap it up, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, it's so good. I can't wait to just chew on that some more, and I wrap the phone up, and I climb back up onto the bench, and I lay down, and I move a little bit because the, <laughs> the screws get really hot, you know, <laughs> especially that one that sticks up higher than the wood, and so I, I get to the perfect spot, and I'm laying there chewing on what he said, and then he says something else, and what he said to me was, the way that you value the first thing is what unlocks the key to the next thing. And I thought, oh, Lord, that's so good. When I get out of here, I'm going to make a voice memo. And it was like in that instant, the faucet went off, and I didn't hear another thing. Nothing. I could hear the elements ticking away, heating up the rocks. I could hear footsteps above me. I could hear conversations happening out there. I could hear the TV on. I could hear everything that I couldn't hear a minute before that. And I realized, oh my goodness, here I am talking to you about valuing what you say. And I'm saying I'll value that. But right now it's more of an inconvenience to get off of this bench and go right back down there and unwrap the phone and do what I know to do in this moment. And I'm saying like, God, thank you for telling me that I should be doing that. I'll do that later. Can you just keep speaking? And there was nothing. And I realized, when, you know when in the parable of the sower, when it talks about the seed that gets choked out by the cares of life, and I was thinking, how many times does God speak something to us and we think, wow, that's so good, but we don't actually value it enough to record it or write it down or do something with it to make sure that we don't forget it. And then later on, we start thinking about 17 other things and we forget the thing that he spoke to us because we didn't put the value and the importance on it. And I realized, like, I'm in danger of doing that. By the time I get out of the sound, I'm going to think of 17 other things. What if I forget that thing? So I climb down off the bench, <laughs> unwrap the phone. I really do this. This is, this is like, the, the, like, people are like, oh, how do you prepare for a message? You guys want to hear my sermon notes from this message right here? I'll see if I can play it over, a, I'll see if I can play it over one of our 
Lonnie, can we get this mic hot? Here, here we go. Ready? This is, this is me. Don't imagine where I'm at when I'm saying this. If God wants to tell me something, he will. The problem with that is that we can find places where he wanted to tell people things, but he wouldn't or couldn't because they didn't give him their attention. They didn't give him their belief. They didn't have their life surrendered to him. And so when they heard him speak, it was just another man or it was just another thing. It was just another, you know, incident. And, and the truth is, is like, you know, you can say, well, if God wanted me to know, he'll tell me. But honestly, there's a lot of things that God probably wants us to know that he can't tell us because we're not giving him the attention when he's asking for it. We want him to speak on our time. And how many of you guys know that often God doesn't speak on our time? He speaks on his time. So, um, so, so Samuel is... <laughs> that's, my, that's my sermon notes. <laughs> that's awesome. But listen, here's the thing. I climbed back up on the bench, and instantly the dialogue started back up again. And I realized wow. I wasn't aware of any of the other stuff that I was aware of a minute before because he was starting to speak again. And I realized, it, 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 well, he taught me something in that moment, which was, Roy, don't just have a good thought for other people that you're not willing to actually submit to yourself. But also it was like him proving that principle of, hey, be faithful and steward it. And watch when I watch over my word and honor that by pouring out more of myself. I have so much more I want to preach, but they're flashing the time back there. I have so much more I long to say to you, but you cannot bear it now. No, really, I want to preach the rest of this next week, so we'll just close it there. But I want to invite you into this week of actually being conscious of what does it sound like when he speaks to me? And then what do I do when I hear him start to speak? What is my response? Do I give him my full attention? Do I value and steward the things that he's showing me? And then do I respond with obedience to the things, even if they seem insignificant, simple, and like it doesn't even make sense? Like, why would that matter? Why does it matter that David humbles himself and brings lunch to his brothers? Because if he doesn't, he's not there to hear the giant in the valley. So maybe the serving his brother's lunch isn't such a little thing after all. If Samuel doesn't say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening, he doesn't hear the word of the Lord come to him for the late nation of Israel. So maybe that wasn't so insignificant. If Moses doesn't take his sandals off, he doesn't hear, it's time, go tell Pharaoh. So maybe there aren't insignificant things. Maybe just in our mind, we attach more significance to some things and less to others. But the Lord thinks his word's pretty significant no matter what it is. So, Father, would you make us aware of your voice in our lives, God? I thank you, Jesus, that you said we could hear your voice and know your voice. Father, let us develop that relationship with you so that, like Jesus, we hear you in the middle of a thousand voices. We can lock into that one voice and know it's you and trust you with it. I just ask, God, that you give us a greater awareness and a greater value for your voice in all the ways that you speak. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Also, is there anyone here who, when I was talking about the little insignificant thing that you've been putting off, was there anyone here that was speaking to? If there was, I just, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, look at, I knew it. I knew it. Wait, no, go raise them up. Seriously, because here's the thing. And if you won't admit that now, how are you going to admit it later? <laughs> right? This is the place where everyone's like, they want you to be obedient. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to pray for you because if praying for you changed that, right? Like every prayer that's been prayed would have already changed that. I'm actually just going to tell you this. Go do it. Don't delay it. And don't do it out of a sense of obligation. Let it, let it find a place in your heart that it actually creates a joy of knowing, like, God, you did not call me to do this for no reason, and I can't wait to see what's on the other side of this because I know that obedience always leads to more.
So if you raise your hand, whatever that thing is, do it. Love you guys.